You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. get into our portion of the Word of God this morning that we are studying. And so if I can have you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, we are um, ending chapter 6. We still have one more chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7, and that'll take us all the way up till Easter. But um, we are picking back up this morning where we left off in the Sermon on the Mount. Again, as always, there are Bibles on the tables, kind of in the back or on the side, if you didn't grab one. And uh, also, if you are a kid in here, you should have been given like a little, also like kid Bible pamphlet. I have, we're going to read out a couple translations this morning. But I will first be reading out of our text, out of the NIV translation, uh, Matthew 6, 25 through 34, Jesus speaking, and he says this, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in his, all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you, uh, that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Ain't that true? <laughs> but also... This morning, because it's Ohana Sunday, I want to read this same passage out of a Keiki Bible in light of our family services in a kid's translation. Bear with me here. Um, so kids, if you're here online or in person, um, you should have gotten that handout. And here's what it says. All sorts of people went to see Jesus. Children, mothers, fathers, grandpas, and grandmas. They all wanted to hear what he was teaching. Look at the birds, said Jesus. Do they store up food in a barn? No, God feeds them. Look at the flowers, said Jesus. They don't work or make clothes. God dresses them in lush leaves and pretty petals. Then Jesus said, you are much more important than birds. You are much more important than flowers. So do not worry if God takes care of them, God will take care of you. Let me pray over this text in our time. God, thank you. 
Thank you so much for this time as a church family that we're gathered. And thank you specifically for this section of Scripture and your repeated instruction to not worry, but to trust you. And that is so much easier said than done. So Holy Spirit, we need you to minister to us. Like we all want to be a people that you describe in this text. We want to be a people that just looks to you and trusts in you and that worry and stress and anxiety is not something um, that we struggle with. But I think all of us can admit here that we can all relate to this text and this instruction, especially in the time we live in, in the uncertainty of all that's going on around us. Holy Spirit, would you, would you dig these truths deep down into our hearts and minds pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you didn't catch it, uh, I, I underlined it and I, I bolded it, but Jesus brings up worry. This is the subject he's challenging the crowds and us this morning with. And specifically, he says, do, do not do this. Don't worry. And if you're like me, we're all too acquainted with worry. It's a very familiar friend. It's not really a friend. It's very familiar to many of our life. What I want to do is I want us to first be reminded of what worry is so that we know what Jesus is telling us not to do. Right? The Oxford Dictionary puts it this way. This is what worry is. The verb form is to give way to anxiety or unease and to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. In the noun, it would be, uh, to worry would be a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. Right? For me, from my own experience, when it comes to worry, there is no one that I have ever met or known at any age that doesn't worry about something. Sometime or another, and if we're honest, if we're self-aware, in any, in any sense, for many of us, this is a struggle. This isn't just something that we do sometimes. This is something that, that is something that we struggle with. Right? Worry, you could also say, is stress or anxiety. Plagues many of us. And again, this can start happening at a, a young age. Right? I mean, this, this happens like... Even, you know, for kids, uh, for, for an upcoming test, maybe you're, like, worried or anxious about how you're going to do on it, or maybe what your, your friends at school think of you, or if you fit in, or whatever it is. There's many things, even from an early age, that you begin to think about and maybe worry or maybe stress out about. And obviously, us adults in this room, as you get older, what are the worries? What, what, is, what happens? Worries increase because consequences potentially well, they do get more real in life, right? With finding a job, keeping a job, money, paying your bills, providing, like, right? Relationships, dating, marriage, kids. Like, there is so much in life that I think if we're honest, we worry about. Right? Especially as we get older. There's real life stuff that's really important. 
And there's real consequences, right? There's real things that are happening, not only in our life, but in the world around us that can really cause us to well up with, I mean, you know the feeling? You know? Worry, stress, anxiety. You guys probably all know this, but I want to share a few statistics um, specifically about um, anxiety. Um, anxiety can become a mental illness in the form of anxiety disorders. And in co- according to one site I found, said this, that anxiety is the most common mental illness in the world, affecting 284 million people. Again, that was Our World in Data from 2018. Um, and they went on to say anxiety disorders rank number one for most common mental illness ahead of depression, substance use disorder, eating disorders, and every other mental health disorder worldwide. Not just American, not just America, but worldwide. Again, it's something that, that the whole world in essence, can struggle with. And as common a struggle as this is for the whole world, regardless of economic status or culture or language or geography, it very much was for the primarily Jewish audience on the hillside overlooking a lake in northern Israel some 2,000 years ago that Matthews 5, 6, and 7 is speaking to, right? Because this is a real account. This is a historical narrative of Jesus speaking to a primarily Jewish audience overlooking the Sea of Galilee. You can go there today. And what does he say 2,000 years ago? He says, do not worry. Even then, even then in a very different setting and a time than now, they had a very similar struggle and problem than that we do. So what Jesus does in our text today, right, being God, he knows our humanity, right? He knows our deepest being. He knows our struggles better than we even know them ourselves, And he really does know us and what we struggle with. But he doesn't just stop there. He really cares about how worry, or about what, worry and anxiety, how it can affect and actually damage us. And again, this, the text we're reading today, he's saying this to the crowd. This truth is very much as potent, as relevant. That God is concerned... He cares, and he doesn't want us to live in a constant state of worry, stress, or anxiety. Right, and several times here, you catch how I underlined it on the screens, but he says, don't worry. This this text personally is so meaningful to me because um, I tend to struggle about stressing out about things. Um, maybe probably more than others. I want to do things well, right? I care about how people, what people think of me. I naturally struggle with people-pleasing, so automatically, worry. Like, the list goes on. I, I'm, I'm sure many of you can relate, but for me, this text is so meaningful because it gets real personal real quick when Jesus says, don't worry about anything. All I want to say is, but God, wait a second. What about all those things? And he says, don't worry. Trust me. 
but also why over the course of my life, why this has also been meaningful is when and where I've read it. Um, if you know part of my testimony, I did not grow up in the church. I actually got saved when I was just entering middle school. And somehow I got accepted to go on a missions trip. And when I was like 13, 14, like barely knew anything and really young. And the training was that you had to read the entirety of the New Testament, starting in Matthew all the way to Revelation, a chapter a day for nine months. Talk, think about asking your middle schooler to do that. And journal on it every day. And then every week you meet and discuss it and pray over it. And it was incredible. In the moment, I was like, this is impossible. But I did it. And it, to this day, those scriptures are written like on the tablet of my heart. But the first week, why it was so memorable was the first seven chapters of Matthew. Chapter six was like the Saturday of that week. I remember reading this. The very first week I had ever read the Bible for myself, I read this text. That's for me. That was, that was it. But also, um, the first time I went to Israel, um, when I was 21, uh, our church group that we went with from Reality Carpinteria went to the Mount of Beatitudes, to the place where Jesus spoke this sermon, and we got to go off by ourselves and read the whole Sermon on the Mount on the Sermon on the Mount. You can do that today. Well, COVID, not right now, but you can. I've done it a couple times now. And what's so incredible is you can go up to the very place that Jesus gave this sermon, and as you're reading it, and as you get to Matthew 6, 25 through 34, I kid you not, the very first time I did this, when I was 21, is when I got to the parts where, look at, or look at the birds of the air. No joke, birds started chirping. Not even kidding. Look at the lilies of the field and the flowers of the field, and you can look, and the hillside is still filled with these same flowers. It's the very place that Jesus said these things. Again, it's a historical narrative. This is a truth that applies to all of humanity, the test of time. And what Jesus is doing in this text is he's asking the audience, he's asking you and I to look around at God's created order in nature and with animals, right? God's created order, his design of creation that shows his provision and care and he does this by using these real-life examples, literally like a flower and a bird. And he's asking to turn your attention to how they eat and how they're clothed, what they look like, how they survive. What Jesus is doing here is he's trying to remove our eyes from ourself for a second and our, and our temporal problems. And he says, look around you. Look at the birds and look at the flowers. Do you not see how I care for them and I feed them, that my heavenly Father provides for them when they don't even try? In the same way, you should trust me. Again, he's using these, these examples that we have here. Birds and flowers, how God cares for their basic needs, their food and their clothing. And he connects the point, he says, and because humanity is God's most valuable and prized thing out of all creation, more valuable 
than the animals and more valuable than nature. Right? You go back to the creation account at the beginning of Genesis and, and you see this progression that humanity right, is the most valuable piece of God's creation. And what Jesus is doing is he's connecting us back to God's created original design for all of creation. And he points out and he says, if God cares for them, but he values you more, how much more will he care for you? Again, Jesus does this all the time. He uses real life practical, tangible examples to communicate a powerful spiritual truth. And as the kids' Bible said, as we read it this morning, the very end, it said, if God takes care of them, speaking of the birds and the flowers, God will take care of you. That is his promise as provider, as creator God. To further break down this section, and if you're into a three-point sermon, I have three points for you. As a way of application, if you're taking notes, there's three points <clears throat> that I believe Jesus makes here in this section. If that was kind of the, the broad point right there, here's the three points. Number one, worrying accomplishes nothing. As Jesus says in our text today, in verses 27 through 29, he said this, can all of your worries even add a single moment to your life? It's a rhetorical question. The point is no. And so why worry about your clothing, right? And he goes on, look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. Right? If, we were gonna, if we were to step out of our problems and our worries for a moment, I think we'd be honest. The truth is that worry doesn't help us solve a problem or even bring, us, uh, bring about a possible solution. Right? So much time is really wasted when we, when we worry, um, when we stress over something that we really don't have any control over. And so that's why Jesus like, reaffirms that. He says, you're worrying, kind of you're, you're toiling in your mind about that thing or that person or that relationship or the what ifs. Our minds are incredible. I'm telling you, the worries that we can come up with, the rabbit holes we can go down. Jesus says, can any of that even add a moment to your life? And he said, no. That's his answer. No, no I'm God. I know you. As much as you think your worry is going to help you, it's not. Worrying accomplishes nothing. Number two also is that worry is actually the opposite of, of actually trust in God. And Jesus kind of presses into this a little bit in verses 30. He, he, he says, and if God cares so wonderfully for wild, uh, wild flowers, excuse me, that are here today and thrown into the fire, he'll certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So what he's doing here is he's actually connecting worry to maybe a lack of trust, right? You're not trusting me to care for your life and your job and your bank account and your relationship. God, Jesus here is he's trying to remind us that what worry can do so often 
is that it actually pulls us away of trusting in the Lord because we're trying to take things in our own hands. Ooh, how do I fix it? Ooh, how do I make it better? Again, there's a difference between like planning and worrying, and I hope you know that. But again, the truth is the energy that we spend worrying, you know it could be a lot more effective and better use of our time is taking those things that we are, are going to worry about and put them to prayer. Like take them right to the feet of Jesus. God, I wanna pr- I'm going to spend my time, instead of worrying, I'm going to pray about these things. Right? One way to effectively deal with worry, at least a starting point, at least as a foundation, is to live one day at a time. Right, Jesus even says that. Don't get ahead of yourself. Tomorrow's got enough worry of his own. And you're like, Jesus, amen. One way for those of the worriers in this room, including me, is to take one day at a time and to handle each worry as it comes through prayer. But again, that's, that takes mindset, that takes discipline, that takes being aware of when all of a sudden you start worrying. That's where we should start. That's a foundation. By all means, uh, if you know us at all, we highly encourage mental and emotional health and getting, going to counseling and therapy, and there is so much here that can be helped um, in this area. But again, this is a foundation. We want to encourage you um, to always be open and engage with therapy and counseling, when, especially when it comes to stress or anxiety in any way. Um, But again, we want to start here. We want to lay the foundation of when a worry comes, when anxiety comes, when stress comes, that we turn it into prayer. And again, if we were to take an honest assessment of our past worries, I'm sure you had them this morning. I did. But if we were to take an honest assessment of all our past worries, most of our worries, let's be honest, probably didn't come to pass anyway. We doomsdayed our life. It actually didn't happen. Worst case scenario, didn't happen. But, right, in the small chance they do, God can handle them by his grace and for his glory. Right? A lot of times we worry about something that never happens. But if in the case that your worry comes to pass, we can also trust that God can handle us, handle it and take us through by his grace. And an exhortation that we also have in scripture that God gives us of turning our worries into prayers can actually be heard loud and clear in his letter to the Philippians by the apostle Paul. Paul, to this young church in Philippians in chapter 4, he says this. (laughs) Again, this is kind of Paul, probably echoing the words of Jesus here. He says, don't worry about anything. Sound familiar? Sermon on the Mount? He says, instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about it all. New Living Translation, it says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. 
His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. If there's one verse that you put on the fridge maybe this week, is put that one. Okay. Turn my worries into prayers. Third point is worrying puts your focus in the wrong direction. Let me explain. When we keep our eyes focused on God, right, when we remember his love for us, uh, we, re- we realize, like when we dwell upon God's goodness and his provision, we realize we truly do have nothing to fear. Right? If, if we were constantly meditating and reminding ourselves about God's character and his goodness, instead of worrying about... But if we, if we realign ourselves and we continue to focus our eyes on God and remember his love and his care and his provision and who he is to creation and who he is to us, we truly do have nothing to fear. You guys have to hear this. Hear this. God has a wonderful plan for all our lives, and a part of that plan includes taking good care of us. He is our good, good father that cares for his kids. And again, even in the difficult times that many of all of us will go through, our world is going through, even in the difficult times when it seems like God doesn't care, we can put our trust in the Lord and focus ourselves on his kingdom. Because he is bigger and he is better. He is our provider and our creator and our caretaker of our souls and our hearts and our minds. And looking at our text today, Jesus reminds us when it comes to worry to actually put our focus on God instead of our worry, right? In verse 33, he, said, he says, Seek the Lord and his righteousness and everything else will be added to us. Put your eyes upon me. Fix your eyes on me, my kingdom, and I'm going to provide for you. But right, if we're honest, we do the opposite. We think about everything temporal and how we can figure this out and we can fix that. And, and then an afterthought is, oh, oh yeah, God, and if it doesn't work, can you help me? It's a very different paradigm shift to what Jesus is talking about. But we have to remember is that God will take care of us. If he does it in nature, he'll do it with his most prized part of it. Right, Jesus goes on in verses 31 through 34 as he kind of ends this section. He says, so don't worry about these things, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And so in context, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Again, that's a New Living Translation, a little bit different. But again, God's point is, Worrying actually takes your focus off of God. Not only does it affect trusting in God, but even our focus and our view and our world, everything when we worry gets taken off of who God is and it gets put on ourselves. And so Jesus lovingly tries to remind us, seek 
my kingdom above all else, and I will give you everything you need. To kind of land the plane here as a way of application, as a takeaway, is this. Whether big or small, whatever your care is, your worry is, and whatever it is that keeps you up at night, remember that God will provide your every need. He has not forgotten you. He knows your very need, and he will meet them, and he will provide for you. And the exhortation from Jesus himself this morning is to trust him, to choose his care over our worry. To this day, be present in the Lord's grace, to not fret about tomorrow, because tomorrow is the Lord's as well. Today's the Lord's, tomorrow's the Lord's. Don't worry, set your eyes upon him. And also, the Apostle Peter, I'll end here in his first letter, would sum up this very idea so well, and he said this, 1 Peter 5, 7. Give, how many of your worries? Give all of your worries and cares to God. Why? For he cares about you. Jesus Paul, Peter, the entirety of Scripture is presenting this idea. Church, brothers and sisters, family, we've all got them. We've all got worries. We've all got concerns. If it's not today, they'll come tomorrow. But when they come, push them right back to the Lord's feet, trust in his character, and be reminded that he's going to provide you because he cares. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this beautiful and wonderful reminder that you are the God of all creation, that you are Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides, that your word says that you own the cattle on a thousand hills, that nothing is impossible for you or too hard. And God, we ask that you'd connect our hearts to those very truths of your character. We want to be a people that actually walk in those truths. We want to be a people that do cast our cares to you, that do, uh, instead of worrying about everything, we pray about everything. And so God, as we enter this, this second kind of portion of, of, of time of worship, I ask, Lord, that this would be a time not only of like reflection, but there would be real heart work and um, uh, kind of a real solidifying in our hearts of these very things. And so would you uh, anoint these next few no- uh, songs, Lord? Would you, would you allow them to be a time of response in the way that you spoke to us? And as we take communion, as we pray for one another, as we worship you, we ask that all these things we do would be... Uh, declaring and remembering 
your goodness and your care for us. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.